get me licensed. <laughs> To Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Straker. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your tits. My name is Aaron. Aaron is also an actor <laughs> and the other tit. Yes. And uh, today we're a dry tit. Uh, we have uh, comedian, actor, extraordinaire from Calgary, Alberta, Brittany Lyson. Hey, what's up? How goes it? Pretty good, man. Our, our first reoccurring guest. First reoccurring guest. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, back. that's exciting. You, you beat out uh, uh, Forrest. You beat out yeah. Forrest Shaw. Well, my uh, word. Yeah, there's, uh, there's been a whole lineup of folks. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, 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 Vin Newer. The Great Pile of Leaves. Great Big Pile of Leaves. Yeah, I feel like oh they God. probably won't ever come on again. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome back. I I missed the first time you were here. I was. Uh, Protesting Trudeau and all. Uh, Wait, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, you were just out there honking horns yeah, and shaking hands. Actually, <laughs> uh, it was like almost nine months late. It was crazy. I oh reject regular mail because it's the Canadian Postal Service, so, <laughs> by the government, so I, don't, I don't fuck around with mail. So um, yeah, everything came late to me. That's awesome. <laughs> you know what? I like a good protest. I don't even care what side. I just like to fuck with people. Now I'm not. I'm not interested in politics. I just like, just disagreeing with people all the time it's very funny i also like that because i i think that we need more of that just mindless shit disturbing <laughs> we don't have enough of that nowadays. I, sometimes it's just fun to be like sure it's it's okay. so much fun to just go i actually disagree and watching people just be like Fucking what? <laughs> i honestly thought we were protesting truckers and so, like, like, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> you know, so I was, you know. Here's I what I've decided. I don't have a moral compass. <laughs> I just do whatever I think is the funniest thing to do. Sometimes it's agreeing with a person who wants to be disagreed with. Yeah. Sometimes it's disagreeing with a person who's never been disagreed with. I think I just like to bug people. It's kind of fun being a contrarian. It's so I don't fun. Know. There's something about that that just like, it's so funny because uh, Siobhan's dad is 100% a contrarian and he's like, uh, like he's now re like painfully retired so he needs something to do. Mm. So he just will start arguments at the dinner table about shit that it doesn't matter. <laughs> I love that. And, yeah. and I fucking, I just, I, I've given up. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? It's so much fun watching it happen to other people but when I see it start to happen to me I just go, no, you know what? You're right. I never thought about it that way. And he just, like, goes, Ugh, get fuck, get fucked, then get I also like to play I Believe What You Believe just oh, for a day. It's just fun. It is fun. Because I don't really care. I've, I've, I've done that and learned so much about people that I've went, oh. I know. <laughs> I, I, found out, I found out an Uber driver of mine was very, like, uh, uh, very believed in flat earth. Yeah. Uh, and, and oh, I love a flat oh, when somebody flat comes out with fun. because what I don't know I haven't researched. I haven't, I've never been to the to the Arctic or the Antarctic. <laughs> I can't fucking <laughs> I can't with a hundred percent confidence say that you're wrong. I've never seen the wall. <laughs> yeah. Of ice stopping it looks, us. It looks flat to me. I get it. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. As someone who grew up mostly in the prairies, <laughs> yeah. I think it is a pretty flat. <laughs> 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 Yeah, like I bet
god, it's fun. Everybody just catch you as flat earth. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense now. Yeah. Oh, if you've yeah. seen your dog run away for three days, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun to be like, oh, let's learn today. We're yeah. going to learn today. And, and and you know what? It's fun when it's an Uber driver because I'm like, my life is in your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when I'm in a small town, I just get off stage. I'm like, <laughs> This is not a town for disagreeing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had that happen recently. I went to a, a gun range in a small town. Oh, yeah. I look at my watch and I go, looks like I'm going to have your opinions for 30 <laughs> minutes and then I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I'm not here to fight the good fight. That's <laughs> so fucking true. But it was so funny because I went to this gun range and, and uh, we were talking about, like, there's a, there's, like, a limit on, like, the amount of firepower you could use there. Yeah. Because the back of the range was facing the Trans-Canada. <laughs> so, like... You basically can shoot with, like, a fucking slug, you know, oh for a shotgun. And so I'm uh, talking to the guy, and then uh, I was like, yeah, well, this would be great for zombies. He's like, yeah, we're liberals. And I was like, why, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, goes, he goes, well, they're both brainless. And then he goes, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, ha, 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 yes. I have a gun, luckily. <laughs> Just saying things. You're like, sheeple, the worst, cucks. Believe. <laughs> Gun trails. Am I doing what you're doing? Oh, God, please say I'm doing what you're doing. Please say I'm doing it right, because I have no idea where to go here. I, am I, mean, not... I, was, I was reading, C I mean, Rebel News, <laughs> and I saw this story. <laughs> so I turned on, I mean, Breitbart, Breitbart. <laughs> so, okay, we are a music podcast, but I want to uh, ask this, because it's music adjacent. Sure. You recently had an album come out. Oh, my God, Woo! I did. Sophomore album. My sophomoric sense of humor album, more or less, uh, <laughs> is really what it is. Uh, yeah, I just released an album. It's called Break and Enter yeah. with Comedy Records and a Little Robot out in uh, Victoria, which is run by the Hecklers guys. Nice. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud of this one. The first one was, like, I think it was my first one, and it stressed me out, and I didn't, you know, and I listened to this one, and I can hear a, a growth and, and some, you know. I, I totally, it feels different. I totally get that, and it does. It does. It sounds different too. Like it's funny yeah. because, like, like uh, uh, last year we were going to Cranbrook or something, and you were like, "Yeah, I think my next album, I want to record it in Victoria." And I was like, "That'd be pretty fucking sick, actually." <laughs> and then, like, uh, you were talking about it though, and you were like, "Yeah, like, uh, like how you were just wanting to do something different." And then listening to it, I was like, "Yeah, this is Britney, but this is done different. Like, it feels very like it feels very fresh. It's a fucking." It, First off, the audio quality on that album is miles above what I what you generally see in comedy albums in Canada. Right. Um, and and like, granted, that might be partially comedy records, but I think also it's just like that fucking room itself. Hecklers is the perfect space. It's incredible. I also will give a shout out to uh, Paul. He uh, Peruche. He um, is. We used to record for uh, Sirius XM. Oh, he's like he was like one of their lead recorders. So he's our audio engineers. So we just kind of lucked out. I it was not luck. It was Dan Duval, being the like wizard of connecting people and making things happen. He's really good at that. He's like this. <laughs> he's like this amazing dude who just facil. You just have a dream, and he sort of just facilitates it. It's funny because you say that, and I, I, I see it happen with him online a lot. Where it, like he's constantly like, 
yo, look at this other person's project. Isn't this dope? And then you find out he helped out on it. You're like, yeah, and quietly in the background. Quietly. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't take credit for it. That's really No, cool. and really what he did was he just sort of facilitated everything. So he got a hold of Paul. He connected yeah. me with Comedy Records. He... He just did a lot of background work. He hosted. Uh, he hosted the album. Oh, that's so. So good. I mean, like he was. He was a really, really big part of it. Um, and I think it sounds different because for and this might kind of flow into what we're talking about today. But like, I did it how I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel pressure in any way, or I. They let me play it the way I wanted to play it. I didn't cut much. Nice. I just kind of wanted it to sound like one, kind of fluid thought. And then it sounds like that, which, which is, is which is good because that's exactly how it feels when like uh, as an audience member watching you live, that's how it feels. It feels like it's one thought, you know. Yeah, that's in, my in hope. Hour, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my hope. So yeah. the the fact that we that translated is um, nothing but uh, a shout out to everybody that helped me do it. Well, that's fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have a I have a random question about this. Sure. So how did? Uh, because you, your first album was with Six O Four, yeah, and your new one is with Comedy Records. What was the, uh, what was I guess like the thought to transition to Six O or to uh, Comedy Records, and what was the, um, like what was the what was the benefit of, of doing that in your opinion? Like just being with different a different company. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it comes down to <laughs> really a percentage of what's being taken. Mm. So I mean, it's you know. A 50-50 split for some places and other places don't agree with that so I, I'm not running a 50-50 split yeah and uh, that that was important to me and uh, yeah it, there was just there was just a bunch of different things I felt more connected to the Victoria scene and we got to do it out there and it was and then comedy records was uh, I don't know it's um, just sort of a different different animal so well, and it's interesting too because they're like they they're uh, you know all over the place. Like they have offices in like Miami, New York, Toronto, right? Like they they they're kind of all yeah. over. Yeah, not to say that I mean truly in the beginning, uh, six oh four was fantastic. They yeah, yeah. they really did do a great job. They were they were so helpful and they were so willing to work with me and and let me do what I wanted. And but I just was such a new comic when I did that. I'll always feel forever new. I'll say this in, yeah, yeah. in ten years. I'll say I was so new when I did my second album. And I'll, but but I just I just knew different things. And 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 Barry Taylor seems to have a, a grasp on on the industry. So and comedy specifically, he focused. He is a comic specific comedy specific record label. Mm-hmm. So that's that is that's their focus. And, and I think that that's a big thing that like you can tell in the difference too is like because six oh four is you know, everything, it's music and yeah. comedy, right? Um, uh, and, and, like, 604 is still great. Like, it's it's awesome, you know, to get those opportunities. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah. But it is it is much better when you have uh, something that's very specific for your art form, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, it just, it, 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 it sets it above, you know? Yeah, it, it was just a different experience for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for both, and um, I'll always be grateful for 604, um being my 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 uh my first well, one thing <laughs> i think was, was special that you noted is that you kind of got to do this one your way you know you got to yeah you had that final say by the sounds of it so that's super special well we did it at um the first one we did at yuck yucks in vancouver and i got there and they were recording another compilation album the same night Ooh. and there was like eight people before me oh fuck. and not to mention five 
or like eight people doing five to seven minutes of their best material and they were the best comics in the region so it, it if if you can flow off that that's great that's a wave yeah. you know what i mean like anybody who wants somebody shitty opening for them i hate that yeah. more than anything in the world but i mean i was like wow i'm at it like in my head at the time on this like this like first album am i gonna get buried by the entire vancouver scene <laughs> <laughs> was what i was thinking and after they're up there for like an hour like smashing like and i'm like oh my god <laughs> so it was a different vibe and then this one really was just like dale ward was on it dan duvall was on it nash park was there just nice. you know some of my favorite people in the world so we just got to do it and our little way also i'll say this because dale has hosted both of my albums that i've done yeah uh, he sets it up fucking amazingly like yeah. you know not that he was hosting but like even opening on the on a show like that He's so fucking, like, he's done it for so many people now that he just knows exactly what to do. Well, and, and, and he's and, so comfortable with himself on stage. And I just trust, there's just, pe- it was all just people I trust, you know what I mean? Like, there was just a lot of love in the room, so I think that makes a difference. Totally. So, yeah. okay, so now, breaking, uh, Break and Enter. Yes, sir. Uh, available Spotify, Apple uh, Music, iTunes. Yeah, anywhere you go. Amazon Music. I think so. Amazon Music. I think so, Amazon Prime. <laughs> Because uh, we, uh, this is a smooth transition. Oh, yeah, 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 we yeah, have yeah. Uh, we have something very exciting to announce. Oh, today. Yes. Um, we uh, we have been accepted into Acast and Amazon Music's uh, program, which is promoting independent podcasts. In Heck Canada. yeah! Uh, yeah, so uh, super excited about that. Um, we're really thankful they're going to be promoting us a lot over the next month, which. I, I still kind of can't believe I woke up this morning. I was like, well, that's a good email to get. <laughs> <laughs> and, and shout out to you, Spencer. You always are submitting us your fucking stuff all the time. So yeah, it's, I appreciate it's it. It's what I do 90% of yeah, my day. It's yeah. just all the background work. I'm all giddy. I, he messaged me this morning, and all I could respond was, what's with the explanation points? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I sent a screenshot of the email, and I was like, boy. And then Aaron's just like, yeah. <laughs> but I'm happy. It's super exciting. Well, congrats, uh, boys. Yeah, that's you. awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're excited about that. Uh, everybody in Canada will get to see our, our uh, podcast mm-hmm. if they're an Amazon Music subscriber. We'll be on the front page. And really? Uh, yeah. And so uh, we're we're hoping that'll help us get a big old bumperoo. <laughs> uh, and on a separate note, now that we're working with Amazon, I take back everything I have <laughs> about Amazon. I love you, Jeff Bezos. Honestly, the best. I think that unions are disgusting. Yeah. If I the say, worst, the dude. Worst. Who needs to take a piss at work? Get the yeah. fuck out of here. Yeah, You're yeah. getting paid fucking $8 an hour. Pee your pants. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck boxes. You. Come on. Yeah, come on. Pull up your, out of here. Pull up your bootstraps. Quit your crying. All right, so uh, uh, every episode on the podcast, though, we are a music history podcast, and every episode we review an album. Sometimes it's one of our favorites, sometimes it's a very popular one, sometimes it's a crossover. This week, it's one that we knew you would enjoy. Yes. Uh, so I wanted to invite you back on, because uh, for those that haven't listened, Brittany was episode five of the podcast, uh, and now we're at 47. <laughs> wow. So, Holy yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've come a long way. We've come a long way from my living room. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, so wanted to have you back on. Uh, and this week, as the title says, we are reviewing Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Yes. Legendary fucking album. Woo-hoo. 
That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, no, you get it. Oh, okay. Uh, so Pet Sounds is the 11th studio album by uh, the American rock band The Beach Boys. It was released on May 16th, 1966 by Capitol Records, and it was recorded between July 12th of 65 and April 13th of 66. That is a very quick turnaround for vinyl pressing, I must say. Like, cool. a month? You know what's crazy is that they have a le- they formed in 1961. Yeah, for 11 studios? That's yeah. crazy. Some of them are like Christmas albums and like, yeah. yeah. There's, some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> There's some bullshit in there, but yeah, they had 11 albums. I feel like a Brian Wilson point. Christmas album would be very interesting. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just a, <laughs> that 11 albums in under 10 years is the result of a dad's <laughs> <laughs> consistent abuse, yes. isn't it? I, if I had to do a little <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going, <laughs> and I was like, we're getting there. <laughs> that's just a frying pan to the head. Oh, 100%. That, just is, that is so much bottled up trauma <laughs> and not being good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, if I had to do 11 albums in six years, I would fall asleep for two years straight, too. Oh, yeah. In my, bed and do nothing in my room, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? The lying in bed. Just like Brian Wilson did. Yes. It makes so much more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody makes him sound nuts, but that sounds like the greatest thing. It really does. Yeah. I mean, like, fucking, I wanted to do that during COVID. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that yeah. COVID? That, that was COVID. Yeah. That would have been fucking great. Uh, but instead, I had to be active and do things <laughs> and further my career. Fuck I couldn't no. just fucking sleep all day. I smoked pot and played League of Legends. Oh, dude. I, <laughs> and then I, I woke up. That. I woke up and I was like 24. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> I had to watch fucking thousands of short films, most of them yeah, very yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Siobhan did it better, though, because she would watch, like, two minutes and then be like, this isn't good. I would watch through the whole fucking thing and be like, is it going to get good? It never did. Uh, this, this album's uh, genre has been described as the following, progressive pop. Uh, art pop, chamber pop, and psychedelic pop. A lot of pop, not a lot of rock there. Yeah, I was going to say. And, which is weird, because... Uh, 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 wouldn't it be nice? Paul McCartney has said is the best rock song of all time. So I think I mean he does. Uh, I don't know. Rock is such a weird. Like you ask anybody what their version of rock is, they're gonna give you a different answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even like even early Beatles stuff compared to rock now. Oh yeah. Would you say that was rock or pop? You know. I, you know I would what I mean? say their early stuff was definitely rock. I would say like their later stuff. It got a little fishy. Yeah. You know, like, it was like, they, they started off really strong with like, twist and shout. I'm like, yeah, fucking go. Rock. <laughs> but I mean, Beach Boys is like, I don't know. I don't know that I'd be like, this is a rock and roll album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would categorize this as a rock and roll album. No, I don't think no, I would. No, it's so orchestral and like, yeah. yeah. Like, it's not, for me, it doesn't, there's no, like, even the drums aren't really backing tracks like the drums are not yeah prominent in any of the tracks either they have like large timpanis and shit yeah i was gonna so say sleigh bells yeah and sleigh bells. <laughs> well, <laughs> an orange juice cup yeah, <laughs> so he incorporates elements of pop jazz exotica classical and avant-garde wilson's wall of sound based orchestrations mix conventional rock setups with elaborate layers of vocal harmonies found sounds and instruments rarely ever associated with rock such as bicycle bells, French horns, flutes, electrotheremins, string sections, and beverage cans. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There's your orange, <laughs> there's orange there's juice. juice. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, it's nuts. How all the different stuff. Like I was talking to Brittany beforehand here. Um, 
I watched the movie uh, Love and Mercy. Oh, nice. With, uh, Paul Dano and uh, John Cusack and Elizabeth Banks. And yeah, at one point, uh, he goes like, when he's making Smile, he's going crazy and he's wearing like a fireman's hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, everybody's wearing fireman's hats. Fireman's hats and, and, like playing fucking weird shit. Yeah, so. Oh interesting, interesting thing. Anyways. Well, one of the things that I thought was really funny is uh, when I was deep diving into it, I found out that in uh, in Wouldn't It Be Nice there was two fucking accordions playing. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, who, okay, first off, who puts one accordion in a song? <laughs> two of them, you know? Like, it just felt so strange. But it is weird because, yeah, I, I wouldn't even say, like, track to track it follows the same genre. Not at all, dude. Like, it's so fucking, it's such a uh, a, a jarring shift when you listen to this album. Like, uh, I, I I have All Summer Long on vinyl. I listened to that fucking album a ton when I lived in Toronto. It was, it was my beach bum jam, you know? Yeah. And, like, I just remember, like, you know, when I think of the Beach Boys, that's what I think of. You know, right. like, I think of, like, Get Around, you know, I think yeah. of, like, stuff that's, like, Do it again. Do it again, yeah. you know, Wendy, you know, things like that. Uh, and then hearing this, it was just, like, every song was just, like, okay, what fucking drug was he on when he wrote this or conceived this, you know? But it, you know what I, I find, if you, like, listen to this album, like, yeah, like, musically, every song is different. Lyrically, there's such a contrast between uh what's happening musically because the music is so complex mm -hmm. and it's you're like seeing this like this guy who's like like seeing in colors mm -hmm. you know oh what i mean it, he's like he's like it's nothing anybody's ever done before he's cre he's creating a genre he's yeah. he's making something and then lyrically it's so simplistic and and he's so um genuine in how he's feeling at this point that you're like listening to this madness happen behind him and then he's just so, i don't know so, so that's an interesting point uh so tony asher helped write the lyrics okay with brian wilson so there's two fun facts here one i'll say here the number of unique instruments averaged for 12 per song just so we're, we're aware but tony asher um he was writing he was a copywriter for advertising and he was writing jingles for mattel like toys <laughs> right. and he ran into brian wilson in studio um, he described they were like they ran into each other at the <laughs> water cooler. He's like, holy fuck, that's Brian Wilson. Yeah. He's like, yeah. They started talking about music. They became friends. Brian rang him up, asked him to help him write the lyrics for the album. He kind of helped Brian put into words what he was trying to feel. Right. Um, so he was like a jingle writer. So that kind of touches on that little simplistic sort of nature of the like <laughs> <laughs> it is like i don't know what the a right word like it is very simplistic it's yep. very almost juvenile in parts oh, yeah where you're listening to like somebody feel not old enough and feel not uh, like out of place and and then he also talks about wanting this to be like when you hear him talk about what he wanted it to be, he's like, "I just wanted people to feel happy." Yeah. You're like, "Oh, you didn't want me to ball my eyes out yeah. during Caroline?" No. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Or you like, uh, uh, fucking, uh, what was the one I was listening to this morning? That uh, okay, so there was a few that I like that stood out to me that I was like, "Why the fuck was this not a single?" But one of them was uh, 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 today. Uh, fuck, what's it called? Uh, oh. Something today. Here today. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it was like. I was just like, this is such a sad song about not, you know, ending up with somebody that you love. That fucking sucks. Why are you, why are you so happy? Like, <laughs> you know, it's interesting too, like, arguably their biggest single, Good Vibrations, they didn't put it on this album. It was completely yeah. written and he, yeah. Brian Wilson said, no, I don't want it on the album. 
So it's very interesting that, you know, that's like one of their bigger hits and it wasn't on the album. They Although, decided to cut it from the album. I will say, does everyone else here associate that song with creepy fucking things? Because for some reason, every time I hear Good Vibration, I just imagine like a montage of like a serial killer in like a Rob Zombie movie, you know? Like I just... I get like the worst images when I hear that song. I'm like, this is so creepy. I think maybe it's because Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky fucked me up. That movie really fucked me up. I'm still not sure you guys aren't figments of my imagination. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what is anything. I don't know what is anything, honestly. What's the what's the the the, the... Oh, theremin? The theremin, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that. That uh, that's my favorite song, Good Vibrations. I feel like uh, speaking of the theremin, I don't know why, but I really want to do like a crowdfunding thing within the Calgary comedy community where we get one for Sam Bendy. <laughs> There's one at the Bell Music Center. There is. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I fucked around with it. Me too. Uh, yeah, I, I did the like you know fucking thing with it. <laughs> I filmed it. And I posted it, and then Bendy messaged me, and he's like, "I'm so sad that I did not think of this first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so, uh, uh, for much of the album. yeah, much of the album's, uh, pessimistic and dejected lyrical content was inspired by Wilson's marital struggles. According to Ashner, he and Wilson had many lengthy, intimate discussions centered around their experiences and feelings about women and the various stages of relationships and so forth in order to inspire subject matter for their songs. Oh. Which, that makes sense. Another fun Brian Wilson fact, his wife, when they were married, she was 16. Yeah. She was like 21. Yeah. And then... When he was writing this album, he was like 22, I believe. And yeah, she was like 17 or 18 years old. Yeah, so it's like, fuck. My, my advice to anybody who wants to continue loving their heroes, don't go look at their past. Don't look at the past, it yeah. Was, it was it's not worth it. Normal. <laughs> also, it, normal back it could have been for tax reasons. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's literally like, uh, uh, like a lot of couples would get married for tax reasons. Because uh, it was it was then like uh, it, you could get like a huge like fifty percent write off on your taxes. <laughs> so fucking I don't know maybe it was tax reasons. Oh uh, my grandparents were like fifteen when they got married. Yeah, yeah. my aunt and uncle were like seventeen and and twenty. Like they it were. Was yeah. yeah. I think my grandma was fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually married at thirteen. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm Jerry Lee Lewis's cousin. I am. Have you heard of an arranged marriage? Come on now. It's not my fault. I was in a hunter egg colony. Okay, uh, that sounds revolutionized music production and the role of professional sound producers, especially through Wilson's pioneering theory that the studio is an instrument in itself. Uh, what I think is interesting about that is that is something that. Uh, so this is this is a random fun fact, but uh, so when All Summer Long came out, Paul McCartney and John Lennon listened to it on repeat, like for nights in a row, and were just like, I can't believe how fucking good this is. Yeah. And it inspired them to do Rubber Soul and Revolver, which is funny because those albums inspired Brian Wilson a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this this loop of like them doing this. But what I wanted to bring up is that in the uh, Get Back documentary. Uh, they're initially in that like terrible sound stage, right? And they're talking about uh, what they want to record on. And uh, John Lennon's like, well, we need an 8-track because the Beach Boys recorded on an 8-track. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, but I don't know if we can afford it. He's like, we got to do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the only thing that will make it sound good. You know, the studio itself is an instrument. So, like, he literally mm -hmm. said it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, they had that rivalry, like, which I, I did write about a little bit later. But, like, yeah, he was... He heard Rubber Soul, Brian Wilson, and was like, 
I want to beat this album. I want to make a better album. He thought it was the perfect album. Yeah. And he, one thing that I noted later on, too, is that Rubber Soul is one of the first albums that, like, he described as having no filler. Right. Um, so, like, they used to make albums to sell singles. The singles were worth more. You sell 45 of the singles, mm-hmm. and you'd make more money than selling an album itself, right? You'd make, well, you'd make more money selling the album itself with the singles on it, and all the rest of the tracks were fillers. But he wanted, he set out when he made Pet Sounds to make an album with no filler. Everything's a hit. He wanted all the best material he could make on this album, and he was inspired from the Beatles to do that. And then yeah. the Beatles were inspired by him to make Sgt. Pepper off of this album. So which is uh, which is my favorite Beatles record. Yeah. So yeah. It's a weird back and forth like thing they have going on. For reaction, there's reaction. Yeah. yeah. There's like this thing too though that it was out of it, it wasn't out of spite. It was out of respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is incredible. Like I mean, there there's a million things that like bands being compared to one another mm-hmm. like i mean even the stones and the beatles and then the beatles and the beach boys and they and they're all trying to just be better than each other but not in a way to drown the other just yeah. being like i just heard the greatest thing i've ever heard yeah. let's like make something, something better i wish we had more of in like i don't know artistic fields you know i think like the the, the like the whole like hollywood and the music industry really makes that hard to do because of the you know idea that like you got to reach a certain level, and so people don't, like... Well, they want to sell you. They want... Yeah. You're, you're a product. Exactly. But these, these guys didn't act like products. These guys didn't act like products. <laughs> Brian Wilson was dinged out on acid, yep. wearing a fireman's hat. He's like, you, ding this orange juice container against the wall. Can you imagine being in the money guy in this? You're the guy coming in, everyone's in fire hats. You're the studio Apple Records. You're like, what the fuck? $630,000? What the fuck? And Brian Wilson's like, I'm not going on the road. I'm staying here to make magic. And I'm like, oh, God, don't make magic. Make hits. The funniest thing is imagining a session musician drummer coming in, and he's like, where are the drums? And all of a sudden, he just goes, <laughs> no, sir, you're playing the bongos today. Against the wall. <laughs> I call it my Wilson wall of sound. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, God. Can you imagine the stories of going, how's the album going, honey? Well. <laughs> today I banged an orange juice cup off of a wall, and then I had to fill it up for his kid to drink out of, and then I started banging again after. <laughs> Brian's like, reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Anyway, speaking of session musicians, the album featured over 60 different session oh, musicians. Geez. Wow. Yeah. And That's two crazy. of those were accordion players. Scroll out, scroll out. I'm going to just uh, read again. Okay, so... Uh, you can skip that part. Skip this part. So, although not included in the majority of the recording, um, w- one thing we forgot to mention, it's worth mentioning, this is all composed and produced by Brian Wilson. Um, I'm sure we hinted at it a bunch, but the other part, the other guys in the Beach Boys were not really included. They were on tour in Japan, they were on tour overseas, and he stayed home. He quit touring to make this album. Um, in the movie, he's like, I'm going to stay here and make some magic. So. Isn't it funny, too, that he was like, he, they, like we're, he's like, finally, get these fucking idiots out of here. Can you imagine being yeah, Mike Love? I was going to say, can you, can you imagine being a genius and Mike Love's like, I say we do more songs about fucking sand, and he's like, "Can't go on tour." <laughs> so uh, the other members that were featured on the album were featured. <laughs> You'll never be one of the brothers. Al Jardine's more related yeah, to us than you. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Al Jardine, he's the second tenor 
the baritone harmony vocals, Bruce Johnson, <laughs> who is uh, Brian's replacement for on tour. He comes in to record. He's second tenor, first tenor harmony. Mike Love, who we all love to hate, yeah. uh, was bass harmony vocals. Brian Wilson is the first tenor falsetto harmony vocals. Carl Wilson, second tenor vocals. And Dennis Wilson, baritone harmony vocals. So I have some uh, background here on the album. A little bit of interesting stuff. Yeah, you're fucking it up. It's okay. I'll, 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 I'll control the mouse. You can. So we mentioned, so uh, prior to Pet Sounds, the Beach Boys had ditched their <laughs> themed lyrics and songs on the previous album. Uh, they began experimenting. Uh, <laughs> they began experimenting with like Beach Boys today. <laughs> they ditched the, the Cars, Sam and Girls song. <laughs> they became geniuses. Uh, overnight, actually. Um, Wilson quit touring in early 1965, and he views Pet Sounds effectively as a solo album. Um, and credit as he should. He credited its inspirations to be marijuana and a newfound spiritual enlightenment. Uh, during his first <laughs> LSD trip in 1965, <laughs> Wilson uh, c- considered it a very ex- religious experience and claimed he saw God. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to sing about the water, Mike. I hate the water. I have schizophrenia. <laughs> yeah. Well, he soon began suffering from auditory hallucinations. <laughs> And for the remainder of the year, experienced considerable paranoia. Uh, Wilson believed the LSD influenced the writing of Pet Sounds because it brought out some sort of some sort of, of the insecurities in me, which I think went into the music. Um, we talked about this earlier. Additionally, galvanized by the work of Phil Spector and the Beatles on Rubber Soul, his goal was to create the greatest rock album ever ma- made, one without filler. Uh... <laughs> Do yourself a favor and don't dive into Spectre's past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was say, originally, it, 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 when I was writing this thing, it said that uh, Phil Spectre was his hero. And I was like, well, I think that might have changed at some point in time. No, I read a book recently written. Hero to this day. <laughs> really? <laughs> what are you going to going to change your heroes because he blasts one Broadway? You know what? That's <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the whole story. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Pet Sounds, Wilson desired to make a complete statement similar to what the Beatles had done on their newest album, Rubber Soul, released the year prior. Uh, Wilson was impressed with the album because it lacked filler. This is already stuff we said. Um... Wilson and Asher also cited classic American love songs from the catalog of Cole Porter and Rogers, Rogers and Hammersmith for Broadway stuff as inspirations for the album. Also taking inspiration from Duke Ellington, nice. uh, Lionel Hampton, and the arrangements of the early hit music that came out of the Tin Pan Alley in New York in the early 1900s to the 1930s. Ooh, so that's like wow. original big big tracks of the time. I'm sure we all know them and love them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, name some. Uh, number one. <laughs> number one. Uh, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Yeah, hello, my great yeah, time. Uh, yeah. That's one of them. Uh, so, like we mentioned Oklahoma. Uh, Wilson, Wilson viewed this as a solo album, um, and he never played any of the music for the other members while they were on tour, except for Love, who'd been previewed a couple tracks over the phone. Uh, when they returned to the studio on February 9th, like <laughs> almost done the album, uh, they were presented with a substantial portion of the album with the music that was in many ways jar- a jarring departure from their earlier style. Um, according to various reports, the group fought over the new direction. Um, however, Dennis denied that anyone in the group disliked Pet Sounds, calling the rumors interesting. He said that there was not one person in the group 
that could come close to Brian's talents. Uh, Carl supported those accusations, uh, said that they were bullshit before adding, we love the record, everybody loved the record. It was such a joy to make. Jardine differed in his recollection. <laughs> yeah, Jardine stayed pretty, like, on Brian's side throughout all of this, does he not? Like, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's a little more... Well, he was honest like the other guy said that it didn't like they didn't dislike yeah. it they they all had they all hit with the album yeah what do you think that phone call at the mike love sounded like do you think he was like what hey do you think motherfucker <laughs> look what i did that you can't do <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like hey like, you fucking idiot you want to hear what music sounds like <laughs> how's osaka fuck face <laughs> i'm gonna osaka this music through the phone to you <laughs> Uh, Can you hear Oshima clearly there? Kids <laughs> 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 coming uh, up with them. Char- Here, I need to take a Tokyo. <laughs> oh, God, stop now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, dude. Oh. Read it in there, cowboy. <laughs> Read it in. <laughs> All right. Nagasaki. You mean the mic love of the podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> I was quiet for like four minutes because I couldn't stop fucking laughing about the sand. So I don't know. <laughs> So, so Jardine differed in his recollection. He said, I wasn't exactly thrilled with the change in musical sound, but I grew to really appreciate it as soon as we started to work on the album. He explained that it took quite a while to adjust to the material because it wasn't what you could necessarily dance to. It was more like music you could make love to, is what he said. <laughs> uh, he remembered that love was generally very confused about the album. Uh, Mike's a formula hound. It doesn't, if it doesn't have a hook in it, if he can't hear a hook in it, he doesn't want to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. How does this guy fuck if that's how he makes, like, this is music for him to make love to? I was going to say, like, I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, the fucking drums in that one song where it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's like, I can't help myself but uh, come at a million miles per hour when I... <laughs> Hear the sound of a bicycle horn and a dog barking. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Maybe that's why it's called pet sounds. Uh, what? Because it sounds like pets fucking. Pardon? Maybe. My pretend shock. What? Feigning shock. So this one made me laugh when he was there, so I'm gonna skip some of the stuff because it's just talking about how the band felt about it. But it was also noted that the bandmates struggled to understand what Brian was going through emotionally and what he wanted to create. Asher remembered he was one of the writers. All those guys in the band, certainly Al, Dennis, and Mike, were constantly saying, what the fuck do those words mean? (laughs) (laughs) This isn't our kind of shit. (laughs) And Brian had comebacks, though. He'd said, oh, you guys can't hack this or what? (laughs) But I can remember thinking that those were some tense recording sessions. (laughs) You guys don't get me, huh? You can't hack that? You can't hack it? I don't know what these words mean. Really? You don't know I feel sad? You don't know what that means, Mike? You're a sociopath. <laughs> you, you don't know God only knows? <laughs> you know, I'm not rhyming Kokomo with a million things. <laughs> you don't get that? You don't get it, Mike? <laughs> so notwithstanding such remarks, Asher said that Brian's bandmates never really challenged Brian <laughs> <laughs> or the direction of the group because they felt they weren't talented enough to make such judgments. So at least they're realistic. Yeah. I'm surrounded by a sea of idiots. Play <laughs> 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 the orange juice jug. <laughs> the, more, the, more, the more that I like find out about this album, the more I'm like, oh, this was a band of Ringos and one Paul. <laughs> 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 yeah. They're like, help us 
feed us with your talent, please. <laughs> to this day, Mike Love is still a little salty about it. He said he would have liked to have had a greater hand in some of the songs and been able to incorporate more, more of his lead vo- vocals, which had they had so much success with. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And, and for their best-selling album, I think it's a good thing he had less to do with yeah. <laughs> as much as, <laughs> as much as there is a genius to uh, Bermuda Bahama, come on, pretty mama. mama. <laughs> I, I feel happy Brian was a little heavy-handed in yeah. <laughs> making yeah. of the pet sounds. <laughs> So notable tracks, I kind of wrote them all because they're all very notable. So it starts. Yeah, with you did do the entire track yeah, list. Yeah, it starts with "Wouldn't It Be Nice," "You Still Believe in Me," "That's Not Me," "Don't Talk," brackets, put your head on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the day. Which I think I'm waiting for the day is my favorite song on the album, uh, especially the end of it. I'm like, this is a fucking pump up song. Yeah. Let's go away for a while. It's an instrumental, which I have a great memory too. When we first moved in together, when we were living in Toronto, we went down to the beaches beaches and we were we skateboarded down which is like <laughs> it was not a short ride it was like over an hour yeah i almost got hit by a car yeah spencer was like bombing a hill and like almost a car pulled out and car. i fucking had to like slide my ass over the hood to not fall because yeah. i was going way too fast to stop i was like well fuck. and like i lived in like suburban calgary for most of my life <laughs> this is like very eye-opening to me that we're like cruising down the middle of downtown toronto anyways we got let's to go right down young street yeah we got <laughs> on to a the, skateboard <laughs> to the beach and uh, it was we were uh, I, I was always stoned at that point in my life <laughs> I was very stoned and uh, I was listening to let's go away for a while and we, we got picked up by like road bikers they helped us to hold on <laughs> while we were riding and they rode us down to the beach with the ice cream store I forgot store. about that yeah, ice cream store yeah so nice. I had a really happy memory that, with that I totally forgot about that yeah because we were just like cruising behind them because I, I was like oh can we get a lift and the guy was like sure and I thought he was joking, so I grabbed onto his backpack, and then Aaron grabbed onto the other guy yeah, behind him. Rose. And then he fucking took us all the way down the boardwalk, <laughs> like or on the like walkway there. We were just like, "Whoa, this is so sick!" Yeah, no, it was so it was, nice. It was a very good. It's a good story. Um, then Sloop John B is another one. Sloop John B is my fave. I think. Yeah, I love that song. Do God only knows, which is Paul McCartney's oh, favorite song. Of I was gonna all time. say I might Sloop John B and God only knows. Yeah. Mm. Is there a better back-to-back track listing? No. Yeah. God yeah. Only Knows is, like, when you hear Brian talk about that, too, is, like, it's just, like, makes you want to cry your eyes out. And it's also, like, it, it really does feel, like, spiritual. Like, you listen to that song, and you're just like, whoa, you really love this person. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. score this. No, it's, a, it's, one of their, it's one of the best songs of all time. Um, I'm super fond of that one. That's probably my favorite on the album. I do also love Sloop John B quite a bit as well. Sloop John B, I tied my my dad always used to play in the car, and he like my dad has like a pretty good voice, and he'd always like sing with it. And I just there's something about that and that moment, and it's just kind of a cool story. Like yeah. the, the like the flow of Sloop John B is like, yeah, it's him and his grandfather, and they're oh. out on a boat, and they're just you know what I mean. Like it's, it's pretty just a cool. Happy one, you it's know? a good one. It's a good I one. I like Sloop John B. This is the worst trip. Again, the lyrics contrasting the the music again. And then here today, uh, I just wasn't made for these times. Also hit me. I was Mm. like, whoa, that's a fucking great song. Yo, that hit me because I just I've been power listening over the last week, and that one has hit me the most because I'm like, 
that's very like that's sort of a timeless song because I totally I think that in every generation and every moment people are going to feel like I'm not made for this it's going too fast or I belong somewhere else and and that is like that song is so like right now feels chaotic and it's and it's like so evergreen because he didn't make any like specific references to like anything that would be like historically setting it in that time no. you know what I mean like it's very like it's it's specific enough that uh, uh, you can relate to it, but being vague enough that it's always uh, mm-hmm. going to be fresh. Well, it also feels like one of the, the songs that are truest to Brian's soul. Like, you listen to it and you see the title. Like, yeah. it just kind of makes sense that he would write that song. Like, I just wasn't made for these times. It just makes sense. Um, and then, of course, it finishes with Pet Sounds, which is an instrumental, and Caroline No. Uh, I miss. I know there's an answer to all that. Uh, that's the whole track list. I mean, the song. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing album. It's a fucking great album. Also, tight fucking runtime. My God, mm-hmm. it's not. A, yeah, it's thirteen not a long... tracks, and it's like thirty-two minutes or thirty-five. Thirty-seven. Minutes. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven on the tracks. docks. That's, that's crazy. And I was like, I, I like, I, I've, I've literally been looping it. Like, I've been power listening to it for like the Me past too. week as well. And like, it's just like, goddamn, like. <clears throat> As soon as it starts over again, I'm like, I'm ready for this journey again. Yeah, you know? like, and because it feels different every time. Yeah, I wore my Jeff Beck shirt because nice. he he just did a, a like before he died. That was one of the the last remakes he ever made was uh, Caroline No. Really? Yep, on his uh, on his uh, la- last album. Holy shit, that's really cool. And it's because Jeff Beck like plays in such a specific. It just sounds like his guitar is singing it. You can feel the way that song is like in- interpreted through that way oh yeah but it I, it's not a song that i ever liked until i heard beck play it and then went back and listened to the beach boys sing it and i was like oh he's right this is this will rip your soul out this song oh yeah it absolutely is just fucking soul crushing yeah <laughs> and all the harmonies which we haven't talked much about but they're so impressive on the entire album like, oh yeah it's some of the best sounding vocals i've ever heard hands yeah. down yeah. Which tells me Mike Love, really good as a backing vocalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they all kind of, like, I know on uh, God Only Knows, one of his brothers that features as the vocalist. And, um, I mean, it, I think it's Carl. Yeah, it's Carl. Yeah, he suits the song so well. And, like Brian said, he wrote that for his voice. So, I mean, the way he not only writes music as a whole, but writes for people in the band, it's so impressive. Which is, like, um, sort of a departure from what you would think is that he's being this, like, egotistical narcissist and, like, doing it exactly how he wants it. But when you step away from it and look at it and you're like, no, he's doing it in this, like, this Carl would, I'm writing this so he yeah. sounds good at this. And this is, he's making, like, he's creating a masterpiece and removing himself from the parts he doesn't feel. Like, he's like, I'm not a touring guy. You don't need me there. You need me here. Yeah. You don't need me on this song. You need Carl. Which is interesting, too, like, around the time that they started making more complex studio work, the Beatles did the exact same thing. They stopped touring, and they started making, like, studio-only albums Mm -hmm. that could not be repeated on stage. You can't repeat this album on stage. It's, like, you have 60 session musicians. You have, like, I don't know how many freaking takes. Like, Sloop John B took three months to do the vocals on it. Right. On repeat, on repeat, on repeat. So, like, to think about... You know, that, that parody as well. They're both kind of doing the exact same thing. Where the Beatles, the same sort of time, they stopped touring, started making more expansive studio albums. Wilson did the same thing while the band went and fucked off and went on tour. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to make a studio album that's exactly what I've been pictured in my mind. Um, some say that he was hearing it before it came out, but that yeah. same sort of thing, right? 
All right, so we're in the last 10 minutes. we got to get through reception. Oh, don't rush it. Who cares? We're in reception, <laughs> we're in reception here. Uh, so at the time, the album was... I'm also the producer now. I have to say these things. Oh, <laughs> at the time, the album was not well-received commercially or critically in the U.S., uh, generally receiving negative feedback regarding the change in sound mm -hmm. and the content of the lyrics. Simultaneously, though, it received an overwhelming positive reviews and sales in the U.K., so there was like a duality of it going on. Um, the music, the album also divided fellow musicians at the time. Uh, Spencer Davis of the Spencer Davis Group said, Brian Wilson is <laughs> a great record producer. I haven't spent so much time listening to a Beach Boys album before, but I'm a fan now, and I just want to listen to this LP again and again and again. I Eric Clapton, at the time, who was in Cream, uh, reported that everyone in the band loved the album, adding that Wilson was without a doubt a pop genius. Andy Long Oldham told the magazine, this is from an article from a magazine I read, I think that Pet Sounds is the most progressive album in years. And there's some negative. There were some <laughs> negative reviews too. So Manfred Mann's Mike uh, Dabo and the Walker brothers, Scott Walker, did not agree that the album was revolutionary. Uh, Dabo <laughs> and Walker favored the Beach Boys' earlier work. Uh, Pete Townsend of The <laughs> Who, uh, opinion that the Beach Boys' new material is too remote and way out. It's written for a feminine audience. Because <laughs> 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 their boy band stuff from years past does not. <laughs> and then Mick Jagger stated that he disliked the songs but enjoyed the record and its harmonies. While John Lennon said that Wilson was doing some really great things. He's doing some very great things. Yeah, you, in classic form, Mick Jagger says another thing I fucking hate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why, why didn't they skip him and ask Keith what he thought? Yeah, and he probably said it loudly, too. <laughs> yeah. This fucking gigantic gaping mouth. <laughs> so at the time, the negative reviews like destroyed Brian's confidence. Um, he viewed the album, the rejection of the album as a rejection of himself. His art and his emotions, causing him to spiral in subsequent years and a constant pressure for perfection on his follow-up album, which they abandoned, Smile. Right. Um, so that kind of ate him up. He wanted to top Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds didn't sell well. He had, like, this pressure on himself. Smile has got to be better than Pet Sounds. It's got to do well commercially. And they ended up scrapping the album. Fuck. Yeah. That's... <laughs> But if that didn't happen, would John Stamos be in the Beach Boys? Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that they're, like, recurring characters on Full House. It's so uh, fucking odd. But it's Mike... It's like Mike Loves. Him and Mike Love have got a thing going. Yeah. I saw Brian when he was touring here in Calgary. Really? With the full orchestra. And Al Jardine... It's him and Al Jardine, and then Al Jardine's son does Brian's parts... For the parts that Brian just walks off stage and sits in the corner like this. <laughs> when I can, you know what I love about him? Well, he's like, yeah, I'm fucking crazy. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're on stage. There's an orchestra playing. He's like, you don't need me. And you can see him sticking out of the curtain, just sitting there. <laughs> and I'm like, that guy, that's everything I've ever wanted in anybody. It's so funny because that seems like it would be a Rory Scoble bit. He's it's like, it's a real person doing that. Dude, he's he's either the funniest person alive or just a genius. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or both. Or both. Or I both. don't know. So over time, the album has gained significant popularity and is considered to be one of the most influential albums of all time. Featuring in like the top three of many of the greatest albums of all time list. Often one or two or three. It's interchangeable depending on who you're asking. But I have some review scores of modern reviews. So All Music gave it a 5 out of 5. Blender 5 out of 5. Chicago Times 
five out of five. Taco four Tuesday, out of four. Four out of four. Sorry. Four out of four. <laughs> Encyclopedia <laughs> of Popular Music. Five out of five. Five out of five. Extreme Entertainment Weekly. A plus. plus. Yep. Ethan Q. Q. Five out of five. Yeah. Rolling Stone. <laughs> five out of five. Rolling Stone Album Guide. Five out of five. Slant Magazine. Five out of five. So in 2004, Pet Sound was preserved in the National, National Recording, Recording Registry, Registry <laughs> by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I want everybody to know that I can read. I just can't. Let's review this one thing, eh? Let's, let's get it. at it. Let's get at it. Okay, so every week on the podcast, we review based on technical, musical, lyrical, uh, album art, reception, and does it hold up? Technically, this album, I would, uh, I mean, it fucking was. Are we just gonna throw out tens? Cause like, yeah. you can't not. It's absurd not to. You can't not like. What are yeah. you going with? I'm going. I'm going ten editions. on that. Yeah, like I'm going with ten on that. On musical, I'm also probably gonna go with ten. Well, I'm a ten. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I thought the the orange juice bottle a little flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You know, now that I think about it. Wasn't quite the right I think tone. they needed three accordions, personally. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't quite full enough. Uh, uh, okay, I would say, okay, so on the technical side of things, obviously revolutionized production. Uh, he, he, you know, a crazy man it, it takes to do weird shit that, you know, changes the game. So I would say, yeah, 10 on technical. I would go 10 on musical. Lyrics, I would go fucking 10. Album art's the one thing that I'd go, what the fuck is this? Yeah, album art is a weird one. It's a weird one. It makes no sense compared to, like, their contemporaries either, because everyone else had gotten out of that stupid, like, top is fucking green, there's the, you know, uh, Mm. name of the band and the album and then a picture of them. Everyone else had gotten out of that by this point. Like, all their contemporaries, like, that year you had, like, Jefferson's uh, 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 Starship Takes Off, you had Freak Out, you had Rubber Soul, Revolver. All of them had, like, unique album art, and this is the uh, fucking Frank Sinatra's Strangers <laughs> in the Night had better album art than this fucking album. So I'd say that this is like a 4 out of 10 on album I art. honestly, I was like, going to, I was like I'm going to roll 10s on everything, but if he asks album art, I'm going to yeah, be like, I'm not going to lie about okay, album so art. Let's, so let's go through aggregately here so you can do your math on it. Okay, so, so, so we got... Musical, we all agree, is a 10. Technical, yeah. we all agree. Yes, 10. 10. Lyrics, do we agree, is a 10? Yeah, I'd say 10. So... No, think about it. Think about it. Honestly, like... Yeah, like ten if we're not comparing it to the musicality, but sometimes the the lyrics are they're very simplistic. They're yeah. very like I. It's not that I don't like them, but it's just like I don't know if they're the same value. No, that's fair. So I would okay. Now that you've said that, I'm, I'm dropping mine to an eight. Yeah, like I, I don't know that I'd be comfortable going under an eight. I'm yeah, gonna go, I'm, I'm gonna go. go I'm gonna go a nine on it. Yeah, I'll, um, like, I'm gonna go eight point five just to be nah. not fight the okay, good so fight. Okay, so across the board right now we're at a nine point seven five <laughs> aggregately. Now the one interesting one too is the reception of it too. So like we've come across this multiple times where an album was poorly received or not well received at its you know when it released to right. later on in time. It received critical acclaim. Like we've come across yeah. how many times? I will say about this album though, Americans, it was not yes. well received, and they have no taste. So <laughs> I don't know if. Please give me my green card. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, December fourteenth at the Ice House in Pasadena. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, no, but like they like I feel like especially at that time because it was such a departure, and a lot of people who didn't like the Beatles liked the Beach Boys because they were like kind of like the American counterpart that was a little more wholesome because it's like, I want to take you in my car and then take you home at night. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Brian Wilson even said in there that, like, 
Europeans listen to music better than Americans. <laughs> so. Yeah. Those early lyrics were like, man, dad's going to be cheesed if we're not home on time. Yeah. <laughs> I got you there at 7.59. <laughs> Your dad was standing there with a shotgun. He said, that's okay, son. You got her here on time. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's that's what we, that's what we're missing. Oh my God! Turn the Beach Boys down. I'm trying to do a podcast. My, my fucking my fucking Beach Boys. <laughs> it's up there. So album art. So reception. Where are we gonna we gonna do reception? Where reception. Gonna re- uh, I'll I'll rock a seven point five on. I'm gonna go up just because it's now like such a legendary album. Yeah. So I'm gonna go a, I'm gonna go an eight and a half on it. Eight and a half. I'll go nine go now nine because it's yeah. all I talk about. Uh, we're at a 9.25. Album art uh, might drop I a bit because I'm four. Doing the math Me either. And I I'm just not. assume it is. <laughs> I just assume it's good math. Uh, I'm, I'm really good at averaging. Do you know uh, what? I asked him, I think on the last one, I was like, are you doing that? And he pulled out a calculator and was like, yeah, you can't do that in your head. And I was like... <laughs> Spencer's math is like Brian's wall of sound. Yeah. It's like the one thing that I'm good at. <laughs> so you're going to go four on album art. Uh, I'm going four on I'm album I'm going to go higher than that because, yeah, it's not great, but it is iconic. So yeah. I don't know, I'm going to go like a seven and a half. I'll go six. Six? Okay, yeah. so now we're at uh, 8.25, but does it hold up? Yes, it holds up. It holds up. Yeah. That's across the board. Okay, so 8.25. Round that bitch up. All right, eight and a half. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, eight and a half for... Uh, Pet sounds. We we just have to make sure that if we like an album, it's above Bruce Springsteen. That's yeah, all that's <laughs> kind of our, our line. That's our line. And if we don't like an album, it's below Bruce Springsteen. Um, anyways, thanks for coming. Yeah. Over, Greg. Uh, Thank before you. you go, where can people find yes, you? Yes. What are your tour dates? Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know when this airs, but I'm in Lethbridge. Well, oh, heck yeah, I'm in Lethbridge this weekend, and Alberta has been killing it everywhere I go. So it's. Uh, Let's keep it up. We're having fun. I'm going to be there all weekend at Good Times. And then uh, in Edmonton uh, in December, you can catch me on Instagram at Brady Lysing the Comedian. Brady the Comedian. Fuck yeah. And then everywhere else, just type it in. <laughs> your album. Yeah. Uh, break and enter. Yeah, it's, break on, it in. it's on Amazon. It's on Spotify. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on, on Deezer. Yeah. Thank you, Amazon. Thank you, Amazon. Thank you, Amazon and Acast for including us in the indie podcast program. Uh, okay, uh, any any other dates or? Yeah, I mean, I I'll, I list my tour dates on. Uh, it's not worth going through, but I'm 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 I am in Alberta. I'm in Saskatchewan. I'm in uh, all over the West uh, up until Christmas, and then we have uh, a new uh, Eastern Eastern slot for the uh, for the New Year. So fuck yeah! Heck all right, yeah. well, thank you so much for coming on, Brittany. Thank uh, you. Before I before I sign off, I do have one date that I got to announce. I already did. Fucking December fourteenth at the Ice House in Pasadena. <laughs> it's gonna be my first time performing in the states. I'm excited about it. Heck I yeah. fucking can't wait. It's part of the Los Angeles uh, Comedy Festival. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm on the X-rated show, so... Oh, good. Yeah, I, I was worried otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they were like, which categories? And I was like, not TV clean. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, uh, 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 we do have some listeners in L.A., so if you're, if you're there, come on out. It'll be fun. Awesome. I'm excited. All right, thanks, Brittany. Thanks, guys. Anal confusions.